Click Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. How was your weekend? Mine was warm, by the grace of God. and went from, like, freezing, no power, no water, burn your, your water, ban, you know, all of that stuff to 70 degrees, blue skies, and sunny and hot. <laughs> That's Texas for you. But it's going to be back in the studio. It's going to be back on the air. Uh, praise be to God across the Guadalupe Radio Network for uh, having been off the air an entire week around the GRN. It's good to be back. Of course, we were, we were able to restore the show to the Station of the Cross on Friday, so praise God for that. Uh, but we are back in the studio today, and we have a great oh, uh, show lined up today. But this week, we'll try to make up some lost ground. We're trying to rebook some of the guests we had last week. They were just really good, and we didn't have the proper opportunity to conversate with them. In one case, it was the Youth Apologetics crew. Uh, we just started our conversation when I lost a power and it was totally shut off. So that was unfortunate. So we're going to try to get them back on the program. Uh, we were supposed to talk Raymond Arroyo last week. We're trying to talk to him, uh, trying to get him on the schedule. But uh, Mr. Kanu, the leader of the Biafra movement uh, in Nigeria, was supposed to be our guest on Friday. But technical difficulties prevented that from happening. So I'm happy to report we'll be re- we have rescheduled our interview with Mr. Kanu uh, for tomorrow morning. So he will be on our program tomorrow. Today, however, We're going to be speaking with David L. Gray uh, about uh, racism, hard work, fatherhood, overcoming adversity and challenge, and uh, the American dream. We're going to have that conversation today with David L. Gray. He is the uh, the host of the David L. Gray Show across the Guadalupe Radio Network, Wednesdays at 4. He also hosts Talking Catholic on his podcast, which is uh, you can find on YouTube, David L. Gray. You can also find it on Facebook and elsewhere. So he'll be our guest today. We're very excited about that. But the team is here as well. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. What a week it has been. Crazy, crazy week. But it's so good to be back. Yeah, praise God. It's good to have the electricity back, too. Yes. I mean, who knew? Texas infrastructure was so fragile, as they say. Fragile? It was so <laughs> fragile. So Who's fragile. They? Yeah, well. I, I don't know who they are. I, I did not know our, our uh, grid was so fragile. It, was, it took me by surprise, for sure. But apparently that is the case. So uh, we'll be praying that they'll be making some changes after this incident down here in the uh, great state of Texas. But we will have to see. I know all of the folks up in New England are like laughing at us. It's like, oh, that's so cute. It got down to 20. Oh, that's so nice of you. <laughs> I was laughing, too, until I lost power. <laughs> we'll see how the North does whenever they get 120-degree weather. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I mean, I lived in New England 10 years, and we would have, like, 20 below, you know, weeks of 20 below, four-foot snowstorms. And I just, I mean, we lost power, like, on sometimes, I guess, but not very often, really. So it was it's kind of interesting. Uh, it was an interesting week for us. But... But we shall uh, soldier on. So, uh, as uh, as you heard, uh, Adrian Fonseca is producing the show today. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. It's good to be back. Uh, it's good to have uh, power and water. It's uh, it was a long. It was three days of darkness for me. So three days. Maybe of I'll darkness. talk about that during the after show. That's All great. right. 
Praise be to God. We have a great show again. David O'Gray is our guest. The game show will be back today, so we're very excited about giving out prizes again here on the program. So let's get started. Let's take your intentions, dear listener, whatever they may be, and let's join them to ours, asking Our Lady to intercede on our behalf to her divine child, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcrest. The U.S. Bishops Conference spoke out against the Equality Act, which was introduced in the House last week, last Thursday. The bill introduced by Representative David Cicilline would recognize sexual orientation and gender identity as protected legal classes in a variety of areas, including housing, education, and public spaces. Critics have warned that it would erode religious freedom and enshrine the redefinition of marriage and gender ideology into law, requiring people and groups to confirm to LGBT equality and transgender ideology regardless of their religious beliefs. The bill could also force doctors to perform gender transition surgeries and could expand abortions by considering refusal to perform abortions unlawful pregnancy discrimination. The USCCB also warned that groups who are opposed to the redefinition of marriage would be punished under the law. The state of New York is no longer requiring mandatory COVID testing in, in public schools. The New York State Education Department issued a letter last week informing all public schools in the state that parental consent to the COVID-19 tests for their children is not required for in-person instruction or for participation in any school activities, including extracurricular activities. The letter, which applies only to public and charter schools, follows in the wake of a lawsuit challenging the closing of New York City schools and the mandatory testing for students. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention states that in-school testing without voluntary consent is unethical and illegal. Coercing parents to sign consent forms on threat of exclusion is not voluntary, the plaintiffs allege, and the Education Department is acting in flagrant disregard of federal public health guidance. The Vatican said on Friday that it expects to record a deficit of around $60 million in 2021 amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. The Secretariat emphasized that the Vatican budget consolidated both the Peters Pence Fund and all dedicated funds for the first time. It said that this step was taken to give more visibility and transparency to the economic transactions of the Holy See. If the level of donations remains as expected, the deficit will be settled with part of the reserves of the Holy See. And Pope Francis on Saturday accepted the resignation of Cardinal Robert Seurat as Prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments. Seurat, who turned 75 in June of 2020, was the most senior African prelate at the Vatican, appointed head of the liturgy department by Pope Francis in 2014. During his tenure at the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments, Cardinal Seurat built a reputation for outspoken commentary on the Church and the world. In 2016, Cardinal Seurat encouraged priests to celebrate Mass facing East, or Ad Orientum. In a tweet announcing his resignation, Cardinal Seurat said, I am in God's hands. The only rock is Christ. 
We will meet again very soon in Rome and elsewhere. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Richard Hengis, pray for us. He was born on the 26th of May, 1900, in Ruppach, in the Diocese of Limburg in Westerwald, Germany. He was uh, one of eight children in the family of a stonemason. His mother taught the religion to the kids and every night would sprinkle the children with holy water before they went to bed. He grew up very attracted to mission work and uh, Blessed Richard Hinkis joined the Palantines in 1919, becoming a spiritual student of the servant of God, Joseph Kentench, Ken Tenich, I better say that correctly, Ken Tenich. He was ordained to the priesthood on the 6th of June, 1925, in the Diocese of Limburg and became a teacher at several Palantine schools and Schoenstatt schools beginning in 1926. In 1927, though, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis, became very, very sick and uh, collapsed from exhaustion. They wanted to send him to South Africa, but they feared he wouldn't actually survive the trip. However, by 19. 28, he seemed to recover enough to go back to teaching. He was a very skilled and popular preacher, a retreat leader. Uh, Blessed Richard Hinkis was known for condemning the ideology and the actions of the Nazis. In fact, he would especially uh, preach against the murder of disabled peoples and others considered unproductive burdens of society, a, a, a little a marker of Nazi thinking there. And uh, he was arrested for this on the 7th of March, 1937, and he was warned. He was released, but he was warned that if he continued preaching, it would get worse. In fact, he did continue preaching out against the Nazis so much and so fervently that the Palatines worried that the school would be uh, would be attacked by the Nazis in revenge. However, it would be on the 8th of April, 1943, that he would be arrested and eventually end up in Dachau in the concentration camp and he would be forced to do manual labor for the SS there. He would spend the rest of his life in Dachau. Many, many bishops and priests ended up and died in Dachau. Well, while there, Blessed Richard Henkes became the friends uh, and fellow prisoner with uh, a cardinal, our future cardinal, Joseph Baran, who taught Father Richard the Czech language so that he could continue to minister to the Czech people there at the camp. But when the typhoid broke out in the camp, Father or Blessed Richard Hinkis, he volunteered to minister to those sick with typhoid to the point where he contracted it himself and he would die of it on the 2nd of February 1945 in cell block 17. He is considered a martyr for the faith and he was uh, he was beatified on the 15th of September 2019 by Pope Francis. His ashes were, str- uh, were smuggled out because they cremated his body uh, just like uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe in Auschwitz. Uh, blessed uh, Hinkis, his his, his ashes were smuggled out and he would be given a Christian burial, burial in Limburg. Blessed Richard Hinkis, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Uh, this whole scene here in Matthew uh, 16 is just so incredible and rich uh, with Old Testament typology going on here. Uh, there's just so many uh, sort of fruits, a little incredible nuggets, gems hidden in the text itself that you can just analyze for hours and hours. We will not be doing that today. I will say this, though. Uh, last year, I gave a talk on salvation history where we dive deep into this uh, to some degree. I I'm going to send a link to that uh, that talk to the Catholic Drive Time email list. I'll do that either today or tomorrow, so I'll send that email out along with uh, some information about the special content we are doing for the Holy Season of Lent. So if you want to be on that list and you want to get that talk, uh, just sign up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But one of my favorites, I'll just give you a three couple of quick nuggets here based on this gospel. The tit for tat that goes on here between Jesus and St. Peter. Who do you say that I am? You are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. And so we see, we see you are the Christ and Jesus says, well, you're the rock. And we see this exchange and the father imagery is incorporated in this. It's just so beautiful to see this exchange between Jesus and Peter. But again, uh, as I said last week, we actually talked about this in one of the after show comments on, uh, I think it was from YouTube or something, a, a listener uh, asked about this. We, we explained some of the typology going on here. The Caesarea Philippi is a giant bald-faced rock, and on that rock is built a pagan temple, and there's a pit next to it that the locals felt was the gates of, the, of Hades. And so you have this imagery as the backdrop for Jesus taking his disciples there to this location and, and standing in front of this giant rock with this pagan temple and this gate to hell, uh, essentially, he is saying to Peter, you are the rock, and upon this rock, you, I will build my church, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So it's a powerful uh, visual image. You can imagine Jesus saying this and looking over his shoulder and seeing this in the backdrop, and he's saying to Peter, you're my rock, and upon you, I will build my church and give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, this, this imagery of the keys of authority is not new to Peter. In fact, uh, there's all kinds of references in the Old Testament. Adam was given God's image to go into the wilderness and to cultivate that in uh, Genesis 2. Joseph in the signet ring and Pharaoh's chariot in Genesis 41. The chief steward with the keys from the king to open and shut, to close and lock in Isaiah 20. It just, it's so full, it's so rich. Get the talk that I'll give away via email, uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. What's coming up next is what's concerning us. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Catholic Drive Time coming your way. The Catechism defines an indulgence as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. But is it biblical to say punishment remains after God has forgiven our sins and that we can do something to satisfy it? I think it is. For example, David is forgiven of his sin in 2 Samuel 12, but yet must suffer the death of his son. 
Even Jesus teaches in Luke 12 that the servant who sins without full knowledge will be punished, but in a lesser degree. It is such temporal consequences that indulgences remit. Exercising her power to bind and loose, the church grants indulgences to help her children heed St. Paul's exhortation in Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation. So, is the Catholic understanding of an indulgence biblical? You bet it is. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's an order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Coming up later in the show today, maybe another 17 minutes or so, David L. Gray will be our guest today. David is the host of the David L. Gray Show at 4 o'clock Central Time Wednesdays across the Guadalupe Radio Network, but he also has a podcast on YouTube and, and other platforms called Talking Catholic, and we're going to be talking about racism today. Racism, hard work, fatherhood, and the cancel culture, and how all of those things tie together from a Catholic perspective uh, is going to be our conversation later today. Uh, so again, coming up in about uh, 17 minutes or so. Uh, what's concerning us? I have, I don't know, three, three at least stories that I want to talk about. Emily, what's on your radar? Why don't you go ahead first, Joe? <laughs> so the Planned Parenthood abortion numbers hit 15-year high, pro-life group says. This is according to an Epic Times article. Uh, now, this is interesting. And the reason why is because, um, you know, the pro-life movement has been working so hard to and winning so many battles uh, the last five plus years um laws you know legal battles um laws on the books i mean we're seeing all kinds of uh, ground being covered here by the pro-life movement and yet planned parenthood abortion numbers hit a 15-year high this is what the uh, article is saying data from planned parenthood's annual report shows that the organization's abortion numbers hit a 15-year high according to the pro-life susan b anthony list between October the 1st, 2018 and September the 30th, Planned Parenthood performed 354,871 abortions among other services, such as uh, STI testing and treatment, contraceptive services, cancer screenings, prevention, and other services, according to the organization's recently released annual report. Though the report cited 10,000, or rather, forgive me, 10,374,000 total services, and only 3% of those services were abortions, it noted in a footnote that Planned Parenthood health centers saw just 2.4 million patients in 2019. Planned Parenthood defines a service as a discrete clinical interaction, such as the administration of a physical exam or an ST1 test, or the provision of birth control methods. In other words, they're counting every little thing as a service in order to make it seem as though abortion is not such a big deal. The organization performed about 9,199 more abortions during 2019 than it did in 2018. That's uh, rather troubling. 
It says uh, in 2018, the organization performed 12,915 more abortions than it had in the previous year. So we're seeing a steady increase here. It says Planned Parenthood's business is abortion, not health care, according to the SBA list president, Marjorie Dannenfelser. Boy, I've got to get these names correct at some point. She said in a statement at a time when U.S. abortions overall have long been on the decline, Planned Parenthood is ending the lives of more than 354,000 unborn children per year. You know, and the why, why, is, this, uh, why is this hitting my radar? Well, any increase in abortion, I think, is a tragedy, number one. Number two, um, in, in a time where we're not allowed to say much about, like, medical research, vaccines on social platforms because it's being completely censored, um, we're seeing that the, the tie between the pharmaceutical industry and abortion is, is rather large. And, of course, we all remember the undercover videos of David Delayden and Sandra Merritt. And how they, they showed these, this organization was willing to sell alive, born alive children in order to further pharmaceutical research. And I think more and more people are waking up to how this uh, Holocaust is affecting their, their lives right in their own very own home. It's not just something that happens somewhere else, but it happens in our own lives because now this vaccines, all these vaccines, all this research is, is, uh, is on our front step. In fact, there's an article out by LifeSite News that says babies were aborted alive, placed in fridges to harvest cell lines used in some vaccines, according to a researcher. This article, and we'll link to all of this uh, over at Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time and GRN Online, Station of the Cross, all of that. Pete uh, Bakalensky is the one who put out this article from LifeSite. And he says, uh, cell lines derived from aborted babies used in the production of testing of various vaccines, including a number of COVID vaccines, most likely came from babies who were aborted alive. And according to the general practices outlined in medical literature, may have been placed in a fridge while still living where they awaited dismemberment before having their organs harvested a researcher has found the biologist Pamela Aker. By the way, Pamela was pursuing a doctoral, uh, her doctoral degree from CUA, and was uh, was let go because of her issues that she took with aborted uh, fetal lines in their research program. She has a master's degree in biology from the Catholic University of America and who recently uh, authored a book titled Vaccination, A Catholic Perspective, related that the literature says, what the literature says about how babies were aborted to obtain cell lines in a number of vaccines. She says, a number of these abortions that were done in, the, in that way were termed abdominable uh, hysterectomies in the medical literature. So in some cases, the women were actually being sterilized in the process as well. This is a crazy article. We'll link to it so you can read it for yourself. And there are interviews with uh, Mrs. Aker on, uh, on LifeSide News, for instance. They've interviewed her, on, I think, on a couple of occasions. But other outlets have also interviewed her. And she shares her experience as a scientist, as a credible person uh, in, this, in this field. And it is very, very troubling. Very troubling. As Catholics, this should bother us. It should keep us up at night. So we have much to pray for, much reparation to do to uh, perform during the holy season of Lent. Um, 
Emily, you reported on Cardinal Sarah being um, not let go. He he's seventy five. He has to submit for retirement. Right, and I've seen this going around in, in Catholic circles um, that he there's some sort of controversy. Actually, it was the Wall Street Journal that put out the headline that made it sound like he was being let go because he was conservative or you know a tra- more traditional cardinal. That's not true. He turned seventy five. It's traditional for him to retire at that age. So well, we I wouldn't say it. traditional. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's, a, it's only been new. recently yeah, a, recent yeah. tradition. Paul the sixth, I think, or JP two, one of the two implemented the retirement age um so it doesn't really go that go that far back however there's many exceptions to the rule too just because 175 does not mean they have to submit their retirements but there are cases in which the pope will not accept their retirement mm-hmm. and lets them serve for another few years but I, i'm from what i've been told not past the year of 80 so once they return uh, get to 80 pope uh, francis in particular forces him to retire at that point um, or accepts their retirement, however. But in this case, and in other cases, um, right away, no, no questions, no ask, you know, n- you know, no worries. Thanks for coming. Have a great day. And oh, and by the way, please clean out your office quickly because we have someone else lined up. Right. And, well, we don't know who they have lined up, to be honest. We'll see. We'll see. Could it be Cardinal Supic? Doubt it. He's been making lots of trips to Rome lately. He has been, right. And there were sources that reported to Catholic news agency that Pope Francis wanted to move him, give him some sort of position in the Vatican. So, Yeah, I definitely think they're going to move him to something, but I don't think it'll be liturgy. I think it'll be something else. Bishops. Making the bishops. Because yeah. uh, the, the, the cardinal from Canada also retired. So they're looking for that job to fill right. that role as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, very interesting. I know uh, Cardinal Seurat is uh, is looked upon very carefully as a conservative a prelate of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, some even label him as traditional. I don't know that he can be labeled as traditional, but maybe sort of middle of the road. I would say he's middle of the road. Middle yeah. of the road, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, what will happen? Can he still be the Pope? Some people are asking. Well, he has got less than five years. He's got four years on the clock that he could be eligible to become a Pope. After that, he can't even participate in the voting. Well, they can still elect him, though. True. But what are the chances? Not likely. Not likely. It's not likely now either. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agreed. Not very likely at all. Um, But uh, Cardinal Seurat, we will miss you for sure. And we'll be praying for... for, uh, Whatever the Lord has planned for you next, which I'm sure involves a book or something. Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, okay, so a couple of other stories. Did you have anything else on your radar there, Emily? No. Well, I was actually going to talk about the abortion. That's uh, That was in my headlines for the next segment. Um, let me see. I'm really glad New York is not requiring mandatory COVID testing because that was like – that was going to uh, sort of enshrine this medical supervision of – of the public into like public education. So mm. that's that was good. And I'm really concerned about the Equality Act. Obviously, that's going to have really bad ramifications. They're voting on that this week in the House. But other than that, no, there was a lot of news about the vaccines um, coming out of LifeSite. They're really cracking down on that, especially now that they're, um, you know, off YouTube. They've just been banned. I- Did you see the Project Veritas video of Zuckerberg uh, sharing his own concerns for the vaccine? Was it Zuckerberg or Dorsey from Twitter? It was Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg? Yes. Oh. Now, this was back in July of last year. Yeah. So he was like, well, hold on. We don't know what this stuff will do. You know, we have to right. have some caution now. And then, you know, fast forward six months or whatever. He's obviously changed his opinion on the matter. Doesn't feel like it's uh, no longer an issue and now bans criticisms of the vaccine on his platform. Uh, so it's very concerning. 
Um, so, and another point that's concerning to me is um, this whole push for minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour. You know, d- there was uh, a Demo- uh, Democrat rep, uh, Kahana, admits Democrats don't want small businesses that pay less than fifteen dollars minimum wage. This is an article from the Blaze, and again, we'll post links to this. But he says uh, over the weekend he had an interview on CNN. And apparently, he is not in favor of small businesses that can't pay. He doesn't even want them to exist or open their doors again if they're unable to pay $15 an hour. And, you know, as a Catholic, we believe in paying a fair wage. Right. You know, people deserve to not always be struggling constantly. It's not uh, – there's no justice in that. However – um one of the things that really concerns me about a sort of a mandate forcing everyone is what will what will we have left? Well, you'll have big box stores that are going to be completely in union with big box government, and you're not going to have much left. That's all that's going to be able to exist. The American dream. I remember um, I remember finding a small convenience store in the middle of Backwoods, New Hampshire, 20 years ago, and the owners were from India. And I just sat there and marveled when I met them. Like, I, can't, I just try to picture myself being them. Like, you're, you're a half a world away. You're on the other side of the planet. You pull out a map and you choose Backwoods, New Hampshire to come to and set your stake in the ground and build your business. That was the American dream. To overcome all challenges and, and adversities and still succeed through hard work, God's grace, and sheer determination. But I think that will go away in a world in a future where there are no small businesses that have the freedom and capability to to operate because they aren't Walmart, you know, Home Depot, Amazon or any of these massive big box stores that can afford to pay these $15 minimum wages. I mean, I remember in high school working for $3.50 an hour. As a 10-year-old, running a paper route, getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to fold papers and destroy my sister's bicycle trying to deliver those papers. Hard work, determination, adversity, challenge. It's going to be our conversation with David L. Gray coming up here in just a few minutes on the other side of this break. We'll have more breaking news and stories with Emily, plus our conversation with David L. Gray about racism in America and what we do about it. How do we think about it as Catholics? All that coming up. Plus so much more. Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, you've got to believe in yourself? G.K. Chesterton says, the people who believe in themselves are all in lunatic asylums. You have to believe in something outside yourself. You have to believe that there is a greater reality than the one inside your head. If the only thing you believe in is yourself, your world will become very small, about the size of a padded cell. We live in a world that rejects the worship of the one true God and has substituted something called the God within. But as Chesterton says, if Jones is told to worship the God within, It ultimately means that Jones shall worship Jones. And that's not going to work. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. 
Hi, this is Dave Palmer inviting you to join me and Cecil Anderson each Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 o'clock Eastern Time for a new program here on the Guadalupe Radio Network called Back to the Father, which is based on the teachings of the angelic doctor St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologia. Each week we talk about how a life focused on our final end is a life that is more joyful and more hopeful as we journey back to the Father. Please join us this Friday at 4 p.m. Central here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz. Today is Monday, February 22nd, and these are your headlines for today. Planned Parenthood's annual report once again showed an increase from the previous year in both abortions performed and government funding. Planned Parenthood is the nation's largest abortion provider. Due to its abortion business, some members of Congress and the Trump administration sought to separate the organization entirely from Medicaid funding and federal family planning funding. Despite withdrawing from Title IX in 2019, the group received more than $618 million in government funding. The White House, meanwhile, has reaffirmed President Joe Biden's support for federal funding of Planned Parenthood. And Biden has issued guidance saying that states can't refuse to fund the organization with Medicaid dollars. Biden also supports repealing the Hyde Amendment, which bars federal funding of elective abortions. The Biden administration has notified the World Health Organization that it will contribute $200 million by the end of this month, restoring the foreign aid that Trump administration had canceled in response to the scandal-plagued international body's handling of COVID-19. Last year, the Trump administration cut ties with the World Health Organization after it was confirmed that they severely mismanaged and covered up the spread of the coronavirus. Critics have faulted the organization for, among other offenses, opposing bans on travel from China that could have limited the reach of COVID and for legitimizing the false claims coming out of the Chinese government that initially downplayed the gravity of the situation and covered up the communist regime's mishandling of it. Facebook has banned Australians from accessing or sharing any news on its platform, as well as preventing users worldwide from accessing Australian news. On February 17th, Facebook blocked Australians from either seeing or sharing news on the platform and additionally blocked users around the world from seeing Australian-based news outlets' posts. The ban was so widespread that it even affected a number of official government pages, charity pages, and the opposition leader for Western Australia, as well as pages for various state health departments. The latest development in the ongoing dispute between the Australian authorities and Facebook is an act of retaliation in view of a bill introduced last year which would regulate the money social media companies can make. Under the terms of the code, Facebook and Google would have to draw up contracts and pay Australian news media sites which use the platforms. Pope Francis advanced the causes of three nuns who died in the 1995 Ebola outbreak in Africa. The three women were members of the Sisters of the Poor and were sent as missionaries to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The Holy Father also approved a miracle attributed to the intercession of Blessed Armida Borelli, an Italian laywoman who was a professed member of the secular Franciscan order. The miracle took place in 1989 when a 65-year-old Italian woman su- suffered a he- severe head injury when she was hit by a truck while riding her bicycle. The doctor said that the woman would have permanent neurological damage, But after her family prayed through the intercession of Borelli for her healing, she miraculously had a complete recovery. 
I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headlines and keeping keeping us up to date. Uh, I want to remind you that I'm giving out a uh, I'm going to be sending an email today with a free talk that I gave last year on uh, salvation history, typology in the Old and New Testament. And uh, specifically, there's a section there that deals very well uh, on today's gospel, Matthew 16. So I'll be sending that to the email list later today. If you want to get in on that, uh, all you have to do is go to Catholic Drive Time's webpage or landing page, and that's at grnonline.com forward slash cdt, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, or just you can pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. So just text GRN to 42828 and you'll be able to join that email list right away and get you'll get a Father Casey talk as well. It's going to be pretty cool. At any rate, joining us right now by Zoom chat is uh, David L. Grace, the host of the David L. Grace show across the GRN every Wednesdays at four in the central time zone. Plus uh, Talking Catholic on his, uh, which is a podcast he runs uh, and that's on YouTube, Facebook, and other platforms. Um, he's talked on a number of occasions about racism from a, his perspective, from Catholic perspective, and I'm always intrigued by that. So I thought today, let's have that conversation about racism, hard work, fatherhood, overcoming diversity. Um, and uh, so David O'Grey is our guest. Good morning to you, David. David, I need you to unmute your... Uh, uh, joining us on Zoom, I need you to unmute yourself so that we can uh, hear you. <laughs> All right, let me know when you're uh, when you're online there. Um, well, Adrian Fonseca, if you could work on getting him back up. So let me before, let me set this up for you while we're working out that problem with the audio with David. There's an article, another Blaze Media article that I saw that intrigued me over the weekend. It said Cartoon Network PSA tells children to see color to become anti-racist. Preaches color blindness is bad. This made me think. This article really made me think. I'll read a little bit to you while we're waiting for David's audio to come back. David, you let me know when you're available. I think people like the black, white, and purple thing because adding a fantasy race is uh, in there helps distract from the actual racism black people have to deal with. That's a, a, according to this PSA that the Cartoon Network ran. The Cartoon Network released a new public service announcement for its young audience Last week, that preaches against color blindness and encourages children to see color to become anti-racist. The article goes on to say, the ad begins with three characters, one white, one black, and one purple, uh, an alien per, uh, character, uh, singing in support of color blindness. The, uh, the uh, rhyme goes like this. Color blindness is our game because everyone's the same. Everybody join our circle. Doesn't matter if you're white, black, or purple, the characters say. That's when the alien stops the song and does a dance, or stops the song and the dance, forgive me. Holds up and says, hold up there a minute. Who wrote this? The purple alien says. I think it kind of does matter that I'm purple. I mean, I'm purple because I'm literally an alien. The black character then adds, well, I'm not an alien, but it definitely matters to me that I'm black. It makes a difference that I'm white, says the other character. I know the two of us get treated very differently, he goes on to say. Uh, let me know. We're getting a reverb. Let me know when the audio is all set there, Adrian. It says the white character, character goes, goes on to claim, 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 and I'm hearing, I'm hearing audio, audio reverb in my ears. 
the white character goes on to claim that people add a fantasy color in discussions. Maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe David can call into the, uh, the landline number and just uh, be on the audio that way. Uh, it says, the white character goes on to claim that people add a fantasy color in discussion of race to ignore actual problems associated with racism. Says, quote, I think people like the black, white, or purple thing because adding a fantasy race in there helps to distract from the actual racism black people have to deal with, the character says. The black character responds, my experience with anti-black racism is really specific. Other people of color experience other forms of racism, too, but you won't see any of that if you don't see color. Um, so here's my question. Have we truly been trained, uh, trained to see colorblindness? And if so, is that really an issue, as this seems to indicate? And they're, go they're going to be releasing a whole series of these PSAs to, to kids. Uh, it's a cartoon, the PSA, on the Cartoon Network. And how do we feel how about feel this? Emily, uh, as we wait for Adrian, um, I, I don't know if you saw this article or not, or if this is the first time you're hearing of it. Well, I just pulled it up, and I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Cartoon Network has been, you know, really plunging their their kids' shows into the whole PC realm, just talking about all the, the controversial topics, which is, cartoons were not like that when I was growing up. But anyway, um, so I think this is a really interesting topic, actually, because diversity has become a virtue in our secular culture to, the, to a point where... Um, where it's kind of like the utmost virtue where we all have to serve the diversity. But that's not the problem here because I do think diversity is a good thing. It was St. Therese who said that if every tiny flower wanted to be a rose, spring would lose its loveliness. And of course, we have so many different saints who are known for their diversity of virtues. But this is different because this is saying that um, we need to focus on the color of people's skin to the point where it's the first thing that we think of when we interact with them. And they're sort of pushing this, this, um, this racial um, identity to the forefront of every interaction, um, which is not very healthy. I think we are, yes, we are all equal in terms of our dignity, that God-given dignity, um, but we also are individuals. So it's, it's, I don't know. I think we have David O'Gray on by phone. Uh, for whatever reason, the Zoom chat wasn't working out all that well. David, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Praise be to God. I'm is. glad we finally got you on. Uh, even though we're going to have to go to a break here in a couple of minutes, it's a hard break. I don't have much choice. Uh, but David L. Gray, real quick, I don't know if you were able to listen to uh, the article that I, that I sort of just, uh, started to set up here. But uh, I, I saw your mm -hmm. podcast over the weekend and dealing with talking about racism and uh, hard work and fatherhood, you know, and I see all these things connected. I, to me, it's part of the American dream uh, that people can come here and overcome adversity and still succeed. Uh, and I've, that's part of the fascination of the American concept. And yet in our modern times, the conversations that are surround racism seem to suggest that that may not be true. That may not be the case. And then we have to, uh, we have to, uh, look at this from a different perspective. And I wanted to get your perspective, but, uh, I give you 30 seconds before we have to go to the break, I think. So no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think so. Yeah, I, heard, I listened to you and um, um, Emily talk about the, the cartoon, and I, I think in a, in a sense that the American idea of the um, melting pot is a myth in a sense. 
I think right. cultures when they come together. You'll have to hold that. We'll, we'll come back. Right. We'll uh, have our conversation <laughs> with David O'Gray, and maybe we'll keep him over a little bit into the next hour. We'll have to see how it all goes. But don't go anywhere. Oh, we finally got David O'Gray on. We're talking about racism, hard work, determination, fatherhood, how all that matters, and mixes together. Coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. This is Mike and Alicia Hearn with the Messy Family Minute. St. John Paul II tells us that family is the school of virtue. But for many parents, it feels like a school of warfare. Siblings, no matter what the age, tend to have conflicts with each other over an endless number of issues. We're here to tell you, first of all, even though it feels like your children will never get along, they can be best friends someday. The fighting doesn't last forever, but you will need to be proactive in developing strong ties between siblings. First of all, give them the tools they need to resolve conflict. That means teaching them how to listen to others, how to ask forgiveness, and how to take responsibility for their own actions. Second, resist rushing in to solve every conflict for them. They need to learn how to figure things out for themselves. Last, keep perspective. These children will be in relationship with each other for a long time. And if they aren't getting along when they are four or six, don't lose heart. They will have years to figure it out with your guidance. For more resources and ideas on resolve a conflict with kids, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Peter Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. David L. Gray is our guest. Racism is our conversation today, but it's bigger than that, actually. But uh, unfortunately, we had a lot of tech problems trying to get you on, David. We're glad you're here. I'm going to give you uh, the floor here. Uh, racism from your perspective, how, uh, what, I think there's a distinction that you made in your podcast between actual racism and just sort of emotional racism. Maybe you can start there. What are the differences? Or what is real racism and what isn't? Uh, you know, obviously, Catholic, from the Catholic perspective, racism is a sin. It's a grave sin. Um, it stems from the, the sin, the capital sin of pride. It's from the Catholic perspective, sin is um, a person thinking they're better than the other person just by virtue of their race. So that's, that's, that's racism from the Catholic perspective. Um, the response to racism from a Catholic perspective is, uh, will be, um, will be called solidarity. That is us believing that each person was made in the image and likeness of God and that, um, and that we're all equal in that sense. Um, also, along with solidarity to solve the problems of racism, well, you can't really solve it. It's never going to go away because, again, racism is a sin, so it's never going to completely go away. But by practicing believing solidarity and practicing um, forming and shaping society and law and policy and, um, in that context and pointing not to earthly mantras such as Black Lives Matter, but pointing to the cross as the reason why, um, uh, why life matters why life is sacred, why life has values. You point to the cross of Jesus Christ. It, it, it tells us that, you know, life matters, life is sacred, life has value because God loves us. And so it's really simple from the Catholic perspective. It's a sin, and we have to, we have to practice solidarity, and we have to point to the cross. Um, 
And so then you have emotional racism. Emotional racism is is not objective like um, the sin of racism. The sin of racism is oftentimes, it always, it's always objective and oftentimes it's verifiable. Emotional racism, which is very popular today, is um, is, 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 is blaming, is, is looking at issues, is looking at injustices or, or um, discrimination, um, and is saying that, and, and, and it immediately jumps to, well, the reason for that injustice or the reason for that discrimination is racism, right? It doesn't verify itself. It doesn't, it doesn't check off any boxes really to investigate. It's just an emotional jump. So, oh, I feel, you know, this, we're living in a society now where feelings are truth. And so this emotional racism this feeling that, that this injustice has been done because it was racism is it, very harmful because we shouldn't impute racism against a person um, if, 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 if it's not verified. Because, again, it's a sin. And so you have this emotional racism. You also have political racism. Political racism tries to leverage emotional racism to create policies and, and laws to um, compel people to feel bad about about um being white <laughs> you know there's a lot of people want to push this white guilt out there on, on a lot of people of america and again that's, that's a political racism and it does that to use that as a reason to reshape laws and policies david O'Gray is our guest uh we're talking about racism but one of the other points that you made in your podcast and we'll which we should link to that over at facebook.com forward slash uh catholic drive time by the way uh, we're posting links to all the, the conversations that we're having around articles and whatnot. Um, but you also talked about, you, you linked hard work and uh, the roles that fathers played in your life uh, growing up and, and mm-hmm. sort of the lessons you learned to, to not just accept uh, sort of a, a stereotype of you that the world would foist mm-hmm. upon you. And uh, the adversities and challenges that you've had to overcome in your, in your life. Uh, before, in the last segment, we talked about minimum wage. And I was remembering uh, certain times in my life. I, I, I had a paper route like you did at 10 years old. <laughs> Getting up at 4 a.m. to put that Sunday uh, edition together was brutal for a 10-year-old. Mm. I ruined my sister's yeah. bicycle delivering that paper. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I made 50 bucks a month, I think, doing that. You know, so uh, it, <laughs> people don't hand you things. You work hard to accomplish things. Talk to me, talk to me about how you see these things connected, racism, hard work, and, and the father influence in your life. Yeah, I guess I was started with, you know, like uh, on the last minute we were talking about diversity. You know, is, is diversity important? And I, I think I started off saying that the, the, the idea of this American melting pot, American being a melting pot is a myth, because I think anytime cultures come in contact with each other, Throughout the course of history, there's always been conflicts, right? There's never been a blend of cultures that went over peacefully or, or just merged in a different, uh, you know, I think if, if, if Americans, if we think blacks and whites in this country have an issue, I don't think you've really met suburb, um, um, Croatians and um, uh, Serbs, right? I think, I think they're having a bigger conflict right now. But again, it's culture, right? And, 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 and Thomas Sowell said this, it's not diversity is not a great thing. Diversity has never been something to pursue, but it's those things that we learn through um, diversity, uh, how to work together, how to overcome diversity. Those are, those are virtues. Those are things that we, we can, um, that, that are good about diversity. Diversity, we've always clashed. And in America, you know, coming up, um, 
that was something that, you know, there, there was a narrative, not from my parents, but there's a narrative from society that I really, um, I think gravitated to once I got to college that the world owes me something, right? That the world owes me something and that everything bad has ever happened to me in life was a fault of white people. But that was completely different from how I was raised. When I was raised by, I had a great stepfather, a great biological father, and a very strong grandfather who really instilled in me the fact that if I wanted anything in my life, I had to work for it. My father never gave me a, a penny in my life, Joe, except when I got to college, he gave me 50 bucks. But all my life, my father told me if I wanted anything, I had to work for it. I mean, I used to ask this man for, for some money to go get a haircut, and then he taught me how to cut my own hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> And so that's uh, so that's how that's how I was raised. That you get what you work for yeah. in life, and later on, of course, you know, as Christians, we learn, you know, also with the, you know, particularly with the, through the grace of God. But um, it's it's not grace alone. It's effort. It's hard work, and, and what you get out of life is what you put into it. So we hear this term a lot, um, systemic racism. We're being told that America is a st- systemically racist country. Is that something you would agree with? Now, I think America is a systemically racist country. I think there is obviously systemic racism. If we go look at Planned Parenthood, we see that one-third of the black population is aborted and that the black population is targeted through abortion, and, and you know, government funds that. And I think we can look at Margaret Sanger and her plan and say, okay, that, that's, that's – that's, now, that's something that seems to be objective. I think we verified that. That is systematic racism because um, there's a system in place um, to uh, target a particular group of people. Um, it, it, the slave trade, when the first slave trade first started, that wasn't even really an example of systematic racism. Because, you know, just very briefly, throughout the whole world, slavery has always been what people did. You enslaved people who are closer to you. Um, yes, the transatlantic slave trade was unique in history because it's the first time in history um, that a group of people was transported to another part of the world for the sole purpose of um, capital, you know, for to the profit of. So it is unique in that sense. But that, that in itself is not systematic racism, right? I think when slavery becomes attached to racism is when, um, you know, America begins to struggle with this idea that all that um, every person is um, creating an, an image of God and has certain inalienable rights. And then we had to justify, okay, well, why do we have a particular group of people in slavery? Do they, do they, not, do they not have rights? Are they not created? Same as everyone else. So this, when we see things coming into place, like, well, Black American, well, these these Africans, they're not they're not fully human. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, it, you know, biblical arguments started coming into place, and so and then racism starts to become attached to slavery, right? Um, but but um, you know, slavery in itself was never throughout history system uh, particularly target one race over the other. So. Uh, so yeah, I think you can verify some instances of systematic racism, but we can't say America itself is uh, is endowed with systematic racism. We have about three minutes left in our conversation today with David O'Gray. I always feel like I need more time with you, David. The, the conversations are important, and uh, we never have enough time. But um, David O'Gray is our guest. Racism, hard work, determination, and fatherhood has been the topic of our conversation. And I'm, I'm remembering uh, a video. I don't have the link to it, but it was Morgan Freeman being asked. I think it was... Uh, he was asked about racism, and he said, you know, if you stop thinking or talking to me about me as a black man versus you as a white man, then maybe we can have a step towards, uh, you know, a, a great future. Uh, and this article, Cartoon Network, sort of uh, 
debunking and uh, they're trying to get rid of color blindness. How do you feel in general about that? Uh, do we celebrate our our cultures as individuals and the uh, and whatever we bring to the table of humanity, or do we do we go down this colorblind role? How do you see it, David O'Gray? Two minutes on the clock. Uh, culture has a lot of great things, right? I mean, as Catholics, we know that we have some great cultural traditions. I mean, talk about the Italian Catholics, the Irish Catholics, um, um, German Catholics. We, we, we bring culture to the table. But the thing is that I can't think culture or my race is the most important thing about me, right? In fact, it's probably the most least interesting thing about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, there, there are a lot of good things we can bring to the table through our cultures. But like I said, when cultures come in contact with each other, the history of the world is that cultures, there's, there's some tension there. And the further apart they are, the harder they, they are to get overcome those, those difficulties. Wow, you know, we could talk about the reparations that are being suggested right now. There's a uh, there's a, a, a there's a effort afoot to provide reparations, and how do we feel about that as Catholics? Um, but uh, I also go want to end maybe with this thought. You know, when I went to mass with the Pope back in 2005, it was a very intimate mass. It was only like 50,000 people there, and they were from all over planet Earth, from every race, every nation, and every tongue. And uh, for the first time in my life, I felt totally connected to the body of Christ. And I think that's the glory mm-hmm. of how we see humankind being made in the image and likeness of God. No matter where you're yeah. from, you're part of the family. Uh, David O'Gray, I'm sorry we uh, we have to cut it short, but God love you. God bless you. Thanks for being on today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. See you next time. Highly recommend you tune in to the David O'Gray Show Wednesdays at 4 Central across the GRN or Talking Catholic, his podcast on YouTube, Facebook, and other platforms, which we're linking to, but uh, we'll have to have him back. That's going to do it for hour one of Catholic Drive Time. Back into the studio this week, praise God. But don't go anywhere. we got more Catholic Drive Time headed your way. If you're able to join us on the live video feed on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, the game show is going to be coming up plus so much more. We're very excited. Please join us. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired is our mission, and we're glad you're part of the family. God love you. God bless you. And if you can't join us next time, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, Scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them sacred scripture, and sacred tradition. 
2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in Scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Anne is a real GRN listener, so to help tell her story, we hired Open Line Monday host, John Martinoni. I love listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN. Anne is a smart girl. And when I found out the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250, I was like, where do I sign up? Getting even smarter. So, I went to GRNonline.com and bought five tickets for $100. That's a stale. Celebrity voice impersonated. Drawing ends March 1st. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning good to be back in the studio. We just wrapped up a uh, great conversation, all too short, but still a good conversation with David L. Gray about racism, hard work, and determination. I particularly liked how he linked those things and how he uh, talked about how his father, uh, his stepfather, really had an impact in his life of, you know, no matter what challenges come your way, hard work and determination can get you through it no matter who you are. And it's true for all human beings. We all have access to hard work and determination. And, uh, and it's a great thing. Praise be to God. So we'll post that conversation on our uh, YouTube channel as well as on our Rumble channel. You can find the links to everything on our, on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. In this hour, though, uh, we'll have our game show back. We haven't had our game show in a week. We tried, uh, we were, we tried a couple times last week. It just didn't work out. But we're glad to be back. We're glad to have the game show opportunity, and we have a wonderful prize this week. Good morning, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. It is so good to be back in the studio. This week was rough, but you know, we're back at it. We're back on track, and life is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. praise God. Uh, the, the game show prize is huge. Huge. It's I'm actually, bigly. I'm really jealous of this game show prize. I want it for myself, but it's $200 value. Wow. What is it? Are the, you, can you tell us? Or oh, what? yeah, we can get, sure. Let's get right into it. It's the, so this is the life of Jesus Christ and biblical revelations from Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, who is a super cool saint, yeah. real, just really awesome mystic of the church. And so these are her visions. It's a four volume set. And they look beautiful too. So praise God. I think I have two awesome prize. Oh yeah, two out of the collection. Uh, great, great prize. So some lucky listener is going to uh, 
take home this prize this week, $200 value. So if you want your opportunity to be on the game show, stand by the first caller when we tell you to gets to be the contestant. So be ready to dial the numbers. But uh, we have a great show. Of course, Adrian Fonseca, our producer, is here. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning, Joe. Praise God. We're, uh, we're back at it and hopefully back on across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We've been off for a whole week, and it uh, feels good to try to get back into yes. the routine. It's very good to be back uh, in the studio, and it's good to for the three days of darkness to be over. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't you wish. All right. So <laughs> let's pray. Let's uh, include your intentions, dear listener. We're obviously praying for our show to get back into the routine and get, work out all the bugs again and just uh, have a great week lined up of guests and, and content. We're very excited about that. But we're asking Our Lady's intercession for all of us to include your intentions. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. The U.S. Bishops' Conference spoke out against the Equality Act, which was introduced in the House last week. The bill, introduced by Representative David Cicilline, would recognize sexual orientation and gender identity as protected legal classes in a variety of areas, including housing, education, and public spaces. Critics have warned that it would erode religious freedom and enshrine the redefinition of marriage and gender ideology into law requiring people and groups to confirm to LGBT equality and transgender ideology, regardless of their religious beliefs. The bill could also force doctors to perform gender transition surgeries and could expand abortions by considering refusal to perform abortions unlawful pregnancy discrimination. The USCCB also warned that groups who are opposed to the redefinition of marriage would be punished under the law. The state of New York is no longer requiring mandatory COVID testing in schools. The New York State Education Department issued a letter last week informing all public schools in the state that parental consent to COVID-19 tests for their children is not required for in-person instruction or for participation in any school activities, including extracurriculars. The letter, which applies only to public and charter schools, follows in the wake of a lawsuit challenging the closing of New York City schools and the mandatory testing for students. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention states that in-school testing without voluntary consent is unethical and illegal. Coercing parents to sign consent forms on threat of exclusion is not voluntary, the plaintiffs allege. And the Education Department is acting in flagrant disregard of federal public health guidance. <clears throat> the Vatican said on Friday that it expects to record a deficit of around $60 million in 2021 amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. The Secretariat emphasized that the Vatican budget consolidated both the Peters Pence Fund and all dedicated funds for the first time. It said that this step was taken to give more visibility and transparency to the economic transactions of the Holy See. If the level of donations remains as expected, the deficit will be settled with part of the reserves of the Holy See. And Pope Francis on Saturday accepted the resignation of Cardinal Robert Seurat as Prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments. Seurat, who turned 75 in June of 2020, was the most senior African prelate at the Vatican, 
appointed head of the liturgy department by Pope Francis in 2014. During his tenure at the Congregation for Divine Worship, Cardinal Seurat built a reputation for outspoken commentary on the church and the world. In 2016, Cardinal Seurat encouraged priests to celebrate Mass facing east or ad orientum. In a tweet announcing his resignation, Cardinal Seurat said, I am in God's hands. The only rock is Christ. We will meet again very soon in Rome and elsewhere. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Richard Henkes, pray for us. Born in uh, May of 1900 in Ruppach in the Diocese of Limburg in Germany, he was one of eight children of a uh, family of a son of a stonemason. His mother, though, taught the children the religion, and every night before they went to bed, she would sprinkle them with holy water, something my wife does to our kids as well. And uh, he was attracted to mission work. And he wanted to give his life to this. In fact, in 1919, he joined the Palatines and he became a spiritual student of the servant of God, then Joseph Kententich. And he was ordained to the priesthood in 1925 there in the Diocese of Limburg. But teaching was one of his passions and he became a teacher at several schools. But in 1927, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis. He got so sick that they at one point wanted to transfer him to South Africa, but they felt like he probably would not survive the trip. I'm not sure why they felt South Africa was better for his health than Germany, but they did. But in 1928, he was able to recover enough to go back to teaching. He was also a very skilled and popular preacher and retreat leader. And at that time in Germany, Nazism was on the rise and he would preach out against it, especially the murder of disabled people and others considered an unproductive burden on society. Sounds a lot like abortion to me. He was also arrested on the 7th of March, 1937 and was warned. He was released, but he was warned not to preach against the Nazis any further. He did quite the opposite. He got even more fervent in his preaching against the Nazism uh, that was rising in his country. His own, uh, his own congregation was very worried that the school he taught at would suffer a reprisal from the Nazis, but he was arrested and he was eventually sent to Dachau, a concentration camp. I've had the pleasure of visiting this concentration camp and uh, being in the location where, where blessed Richard Henkes would spend the rest of his life. Now, he, he got to spend some time with Joseph Baran, who would become a cardinal in the church, who taught him to speak Czech, to minister to the Czech prisoners there as well. But when typhoid broke out in the camp, he volunteered to continue to minister to these people, to care for them, to carry them to, to, uh, to the sick bay and all this other stuff. In fact, he contracted typhoid himself, and he would, in, he would die of it in February of 1945 in cell block 17. Considered a martyr, he was cremated. His ashes would be smuggled out of the camp and given a Christian burial. He was beatified on the 15th of September, 2019, by Pope Francis. Blessed, blessed Richard Hinkis, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, other Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. 
And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, going to give Adrian the opportunity to comment on this. I commented on this last hour, but I have a talk I gave last year that deals with salvation history and typology in the Old Testament that's perfected in the New Testament. I'm going to send that talk to our email list. So if you want that, I'll send that either today or tomorrow, probably today. Uh, if you want to get that talk, and it dives deep into this particular passage, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to sign up to the email list. You'll also get the Father Bill Casey talk as well. But uh, Adrian, what do, you ha- what do you have for us today? Oh my goodness, there's so much to say about this passage. And Joe talked about uh, the Peter part and the first hour. So I'm going to talk about the who do men say that I am part. Because uh, I think this is very important. And Cornelius Alapide has a lot to say about both of these things. So I highly recommend going checking out his commentary on this whole passage. He really goes and refutes the Protestant errors in regards to Peter. But here, there's something important going on. See, Alapide says that whenever he's, whenever our Lord says, who do men say that the Son of Man is? He's not asking them a question saying like, oh, well, who do they think the Son of Man is? He's saying that I am the Son of Man. He said it is as if he is saying, whom do they say that I, who out of humility am want to call myself the Son of Man, am? So he's saying uh, that our, he was emphasizing the humility of our Lord here and talking about and whenever our Lord does not directly say that he's the Son of Man, but emphasizes the point that he is. And so whenever he answers the question, they say, oh, well, maybe it's John the Baptist. Uh, maybe it's Elias. Maybe it's Jeremiah. Um, and Lapide says the reason why he thought these three things was one, the most, the majority of the people at the time believed in the transmigration of the soul, which is to say that the soul would move on uh, from your body onto another soul, which is uh, like kind of the idea of what we have of reincarnation. Um, the kind of that kind of idea was around among the Gentiles at that time, and among the Jews, it was a common belief, but not a universal belief, but a common belief among the Pharisees at least that there would be a resurrection of the dead. Um, and so, whenever people said that this is John the Baptist, why did they think it was John the Baptist? Well, Lapide says that they thought it was John the Baptist because he appeared to be very like him in age and in sanctity and in his preaching because of his great preaching and his great sanctity and holiness. And because after Herod put him to death, the John, John the Baptist was in their head and worthy. They said that he seemed worthy of rising uh, from the dead. Others say that he was Elias. Why did they think he was Elias? Because uh, Elias, for one, was not even dead. Uh, he he was uh, assumed into heaven uh, in a similar way to Our Lady in a prefigurement of Our Lady's assumption. And he, who according to the prophecy of Malachi, was said to come back. Well, he would come back uh, whenever the end of the world was going to happen. And so they thought, well, maybe this is Elias. He has come back because we don't have pictures of Elias. They don't know what he looked like. And so when they see Jesus doing all these miracles and uh, raising people from the dead, uh, performing miracles, they're like, oh, this must be Elias. And then, um, and so this is one of the reasons why they did that. But why Jeremiah? They said, well, Jeremiah was a most holy man and a mirror of patience and charity. And because our Lord had the perfection of all the virtues of Jeremiah, of Elias, Elias of John the Baptist, they assumed, they believed that this man was these three people who had returned to preach to the Jews, being moved by those words. But 
Jesus turns to his to his, the disciples and says, okay, well, who do you say that I am? And the reason why this is important is because God, uh, our Lord is saying, lift your minds to higher things. And they're thinking, what, we're, what higher things is there? We believe that you're Elias rose from the dead. How much higher things do you want us to think? And so he's saying, Think higher. Think of something even greater. Who do you say that I am? And so that's whenever we get the profession of faith from Peter, uh, which Joe talked about in the first hour. Uh, so I'm going to leave it at that. But there's so much to unpack from this, like just only like six verses. Uh, so that, I think that I'll leave it at that. All right. Praise be to God. Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, sort of a study on the Gospels of Sunday during the Holy Season of Lent. We'll be distributing that through our email list as well. You can find that sign-up link at grnonline.com forward slash cdt to get alerted to that. But it's time for the game show. It's time to get back in the saddle, and we need our first caller to get this uh, game show started this week. You could be our contestant if you've never played before. Three chances to win a $200 prize pack is coming up after this break. Here's the phone number, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Call now. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening! Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, 
Joe McClain. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where you get to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Well, we have a secret hidden agenda in our game show. We like to uh, teach a little bit about the faith, so we all learn something new that we probably didn't know before, and we have a laugh in the process. So it's kind of a win-win because we also give out prizes. But here's the kicker: if you're and we're just getting back into the saddle, so if you're just joining us and you're like, "What in the world is going on?" Well, uh, we, we have this game show, but we don't ask the caller. We don't ask the caller the questions. No, instead we ask Emily, we ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer. The other will have a wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to tell us who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence uh, to win a possible prize for the tell whole Tell them week. what they could win, Emily. This week's sponsor, this might be our biggest prize, actually. I think it is. $200 value, The Life of Jesus Christ in Biblical Revelations from the Visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. It's a hardcover set of four books of this mystic, this 18th century's, or sorry, 19th century Catholic mystic um, who was a nun. So this is a super cool prize from Tan Books. All right. It's a big deal. It'd be a pretty cool addition to anyone's library. I think $200 value. It's a pretty big deal. Let's go to the phones. Beth, good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our program today. Good morning. Beth, where are you from? Uh, Santa Clara, California. You're from wow. Santa Clara, California. That's got to be our first caller. Santa yeah. Clara contestant Welcome. or California contestant. Praise Welcome. be to God. So it's very early over there, Beth. How are you hanging out with us today? You must be you must be listening online. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm on watching on YouTube. Praise be to God. Well, Beth, we're very glad that you're part of our show today. Uh, what church do you go to, Beth? Our Lady of Peace. Our Lady of oh, Peace. How right. wonderful. Beautiful. Are you familiar with the game, Beth? Do you understand how the rules are played? Um, yes, I am. So you know you, you, you can't really trust Emily or Adrian because they will try to, uh, to fool you. you. You do know that, right? I, I find that hard to believe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, Beth, I'm on your side. I can't speak for them, though. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But let's. Uh, you ready to play, Beth? And uh, you get your opportunities yes. at the big prize pack this week? All I right. sure am. We'll start with Emily, as is our custom. Emily, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Emily, what were Christ's last words? Oh, I know there, he had seven last things that he said um, on the cross, right? So I'm going to go with, I think the last thing he said was, it is finished. It is finished. Tell Telestai, as the Greek says. Yes. Okay, are you sure? Mm, okay, well, a, who knows? It's a good guess. It seems reasonable. Yeah. It is finished. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell us what were Christ's last words? Uh, let's see. That's, that's a good one. That's a good question. There are the seven last words. Fulton Sheen has a great book on that. Yes. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, the last words were, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Could uh, that's be. my guess. Could be. All right. So, so Adrian is on the hook for... Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And Emily is on the hook for It Is Finished. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Beth, what say you? Definitely Adrian. Definitely Adrian. Very confident. Let's just see. Wow. Congratulations. You weren't fooled at all by Emily uh, trying to manipulate you. Wow, that was Uh, good. Proud of you, Beth. Proud of you. You seem to know that one. That was fairly easy for you, I'd say. Uh, Yes. 
All right. Well, this next one could be tricky. It could be. Let's just see how it goes. Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Adrian, can you tell me what famous Catholic invented analytical geometry? Well, I'll be honest. I don't know much about geometry. (laughs) My degree was in theology, not geometry. (laughs) But I'm going to go with Pythagoras. You know, the Pythagorean theorem. Okay. I'm going to go with Pythagoras. Could be. Who knows? Let's see what uh, Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell us what famous Catholic invented analytical geometry? Uh, that's that's. I think it's. I'm going to go with Rene Descartes. Really? Uh, yes, because at least he lived after Christ. Um, ah. Unlike Pythagoras. <laughs> Descartes. Descartes. Desca- okay. No, it's Descartes. Rene Descartes is Emily's answer. And Adrian is on the hook for Pythagoras. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Beth, what say you? Oh, gosh. I just don't know this one. Um, I'm going to go with Emily. Survey says 50-50 shot. And you got the right answer, Beth. Now, uh, were were you a geometry uh, person in school? Did you like geometry or did you like algebra? Did you Were you better at one than the other? Usually most people are, right? Um, I was good at algebra. <laughs> same, oh. same. I was really bad at geometry. Uh, my teacher let us keep uh, index card cheat notes on a ring. We could use them what? even on the tests. What school did you go to? So I, I wrote down everything that there was on those index cards, and I passed it with an, with an A, praise God. All right, congratulations, Beth. That was a good guess. You got it right. Rene Descartes, in fact, is the answer there. Uh, it, famous Catholic. There are many famous scientists that are Catholic. Oh, yeah, and mathematicians. Yeah, and mm-hmm. mathematicians, yep. so praise God for that. Third question, third opportunity in the coffee cup of Divine Providence for this week's prize pack. Uh, Beth, this is, uh, let's see, I think this one is a fairly easy one, so hopefully it'll go well for you. But we're going to go back to Emily this time. Emily, can you tell me, what is the prayer that we say at the end of confession? Um... Okay, so when you're going to confession, you have to do an examination of conscience. So I'm going to say exam, examination. Examination? E- yes. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, um, when? what is the prayer that you say at the end of confession? I'm like jamming out to this music. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, the, end of, the prayer that you say at the end of confession... That is uh, the act of contrition. Act of contrition. Mm-hmm. Yes, act of contrition. So Adrian is on the hook for the act of contrition. Emily is on the hook for the examination. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Beth, what say you? Definitely Adrian. <laughs> Survey says no fooling. Wow. Three for three. Congratulations. <laughs> that last one was super Perfect easy, score, Beth. <laughs> I mean, uh, perfect. So you were very confident in each of the answers. I mean, the middle one you guessed, but you did so very, very skillfully. Uh, to be honest with us, Beth, are these questions just way too easy? Should we ramp these up a little bit? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I already won, so now you can make it more difficult. Uh, the, tomorrow, make it difficult for everyone else this week. Tomorrow's <laughs> caller is going to love you, Beth. I mean, uh, we'll blame it all on you. Uh, well, at any rate, God love you, Beth. Uh, have, you, have you done any reading of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich before? No, I haven't. So, 
Well, you're going to be blown away. I'm looking forward to possibly seeing this. Yes. She had a lot of revelations about our Blessed Mother and the intimate life of the Holy Family. Yes. She had visions of Our Lady as a little girl being uh, dropped off at the the temple in Jerusalem at four years old by her parents to there live and serve in the the temple until the time she was ready to be betrothed to St. Joseph. It's a beautiful insight into the Holy Family life. That plus she had visions of Joseph, our Lord's passion. Mm. It's just on and on. $200 value in this set. I think you're going to be blown away if it's God's will that you should win. Well, Beth, mm. uh, congratulations on getting the three chances. You're going to have to stick around and listen on Friday. We'll pull out the name, and if it's God's will, it'll be your name. But we're going to put you on hold so we can get your phone number just in case you are the winner. But uh, thank you for being on all the way from, I would say, sunny California, but I bet the sun hasn't risen there yet today. Not yet, but thank you all. God love you, Beth. Thank you for being on the show today. We're going to put you on hold. That's going to do it for uh, today's uh, radio side of our program. And it feels good to have been on the radio today, having been a whole week off of radio. Um, It's good to be back. So praise God for that. Now, what will happen is the Mass will start here in a few minutes, uh, the Holy Mass across the Guadalupe Radio Network. So if you're going to go to Mass, make sure you uh, also pray for our intentions. We ask you to include our intentions. We're certainly praying for your intentions. We... Uh, we Every day we do a Divine Mercy Chaplet across the network. We include your intentions. We have a novena of Masses said for our, our benefactors and donors as well uh, here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. So thank you for your generosity of praying for us. But we're going to stick around on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter for the after show where we'll conversate about the program. And uh, I don't know, maybe I can get David O'Grady to call back in and just extend our conversation a little bit. We'll see. Uh, but we'll conversate about the program. Now, tomorrow... I'm very um, excited to have a second opportunity to try to speak to Mr. Kanu, who is the leader of the Biafra movement in Nigeria. Um, We wanted to talk to him on Friday, but the technical troubles we faced post our winter storms down here in the great sunny state of Texas uh, just made it impossible. So we were able to rebook him. So I'm very excited about that. So our conversation tomorrow will be about the persecution of the Nigerian people Uh, the Nigerian Christians and their movement for independence in that country. So Mr. Kanu will be our guest tomorrow. Plus, we'll try to get an incredible lineup of guests for the rest of the week. We'll let you know how that goes. Uh, Don't forget, I'm giving out that free talk on salvation history, typology. I'll be giving that through our email list today so you can uh, get that link and watch it for yourself. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to get that. You'll also get the Father Bill Casey talk as well. Just signing up to the list, you'll get that immediately. So a lot of content coming your way this week, but don't go anywhere. If you can hang out with us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, comment. Let us know where you're from. Beth is listening all the way from California. Praise God for that. We're very excited that you're part of this family and this show, and we'd like to chat with you in the after show. So that's coming up online next. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Welcome to the Catholic Drive Time Show After Show. We had a great talk today with David L. Gray. Um, we ha- had a great conversation about racism, systemic racism, and colorblindness. Um, so that was really interesting to talk about because um, I do think that diversity has become, like I said earlier, the virtue of the secular culture. They have enshrined diversity um, to a level of, of, at times, idolatry. And so it was really interesting to get his perspective. And interestingly enough, David did say that America as a nation is not systemically racist uh, in his perspective, which was really fascinating. I mean, I've never heard um, that perspective from a person of color. So great to hear that from him. But he's, he did say that systemic does systemic racism does exist in certain um, organizations such as Planned Parenthood, um, which we know that they, of course, they... Um, target minority communities and the in New York I, I've seen this article before the, the research shows that the population of African Americans in New York City is actually decreasing due to abortion um, because there's a there's a disproportionate amount of abortions happening in uh, African American communities in New York so that's the real racist situation that I think we should be focusing on I, I we didn't have enough time with David Never uh, do. I'm trying to see if he's available to jump on mm-hmm. again. He may not be. He has a job. <laughs> he has a day job that that he has to attend to. But if he is available, hopefully he'll jump back on so we can conversate about that. But I wanted to, you know, part of David's own life, that hard work element, I think is so such an important message when you're talking about racism. Um, because we can all find ourselves in situations where uh, the, the, the prevailing – uh, power, the prevailing community uh, doesn't approve of you because of your background, your culture, your people. I've lived in cultures where be, I was not, you know, I was in the minority and very much treated that way. Um, I grew up in one of the most Hispanic cities in America, uh, San Antonio. I had a, a, a black man for a stepfather. I uh, served in the military with a very diverse set of individuals from all over the planet. I, I was stationed in in uh, in parts of the world where white people are the minority, so I know what it's like. I get the I get the feeling, uh, but at the same time, hard work and determination, and uh, and grace helps you overcome all of these things. And I think that's part of what David in his in his podcast was sort of addressing. And I, I really was inspired by by what he said. But I also wanted to to sort of get into the cancel culture. And if you don't have the approved opinion of, of, of uh, the people who uh, – the mob, let's just say, then, then you are canceled. I think that's part of a, uh, of a toxic society, a toxic society that we as Catholics should stand against. Um, when, the, when you don't agree with those – the loudest bullhorners – then, boy, it gets ugly super fast. And uh, I think it's part of what David was talking about. Right. And cancel culture is based on judgment and condemnation. And it, it lacks 
mercy and uh, charity for those. It, for example, I watched the interview with Gina Carano on with on the Daily Wire this weekend, and it was just so. It was really moving actually to watch her get so emotional because she was new to politics. This election, this past election, had been the first election that Gina Carano had voted in, and so she was new to politics, and really, um, she didn't know much about it, and she was just trying to start conversations and, as she put it, like think pieces. She was just trying to get people to talk and bring people together by discussing these topics. Um, But cancel culture says no. There is no discussion. No questions. Do not doubt us at all. Just say yes to everything we we lay down and don't ask questions. Just go with it. You know, I think of how many times I have, as a Catholic, been criticized by non-Catholics for not, quote, thinking for myself, unquote. And, you know, when you do think for yourself, all of a sudden you're also bad. You're you're wrong if you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. Kind of a thing with the with the cancel culture mob, right? I mean, right. Uh, think for yourself. Okay, let me think for myself. Well, stop it and think like we do. That's kind of the answer. That's kind of like the message there. It's really really insane. And this idea that you're the people who disagree with you, like every single day I get on social media, I always find people that I disagree with. Always. There's people who say things that I find not only blasphemous, but just hurtful and mean. Things, ugly things have been said uh, on social media. And every day I find them and I'm always offended by them. You know what I don't do? I don't stop and try to ruin their life. Well, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny that because uh, uh, the Babylon Bee put out a uh, post on uh, their one of their articles saying that Disney posts job ad looking for strong, fierce women <laughs> who are also obedient, submissive and docile, yeah. which, which is, yeah. which is wow. uh, basically what you are talking about in comedy form. Because, yeah, I mean, they in, in the same breath, they say uh, feminism, yada, yada, yada. And the same breath, they're saying, also, we want you to toe the line. Don't get, don't step out of line or else we'll uh, cancel you, kick you off the air, uh, ruin your life. Uh, you have to follow our rules to the T, but also we want you to be strong, independent women. That is bullying. Yes. Literally. Yes. It's insane. But again, I, I just go back to, I, I meet people all the time that offend me. I don't try to call their employment and have them fired. I don't try to uh, have them banned from the platforms. I don't try to call their bank and and uh, and have them harassed. You know, I don't I don't do these things with people that offend me all the time. But why do we have why is it always the opposite? Why is the mob really feel like if you don't have an opinion that matches theirs, then you should not be allowed to have employment, to live, to breathe and to exist and to to have opportunity. You should be totally cut off from society. That is that mentality should be so frightening to Catholics. It's it's very I mean, again, I can see people having a different opinion of me and we have to find a way to get along. We have to have peace. Christ called us to live in peace with people that disagree with us all the time. In Matthew chapter 5, he would say, what credit is it to you to forgive those that you love? What is the point? Like, what you, you, get, you get the real credit when you have to forgive those that hate you and want to persecute you. Um, I remember uh, St. Therese of Lisieux talking about how she would, it was a particular sister in her convent that she had to always, you know, muster up the courage to be, to be charitable to in spite of the fact that that sister was never charitable to her. Um, there are many examples of that. St. Bernadette my, is another good example. My, uh, my friend Josh on YouTube commented, the problem with cancel culture isn't necessarily the act of canceling itself, 
but who is canceled? It is historically the norm for moral standards to be enforced. Just look at the 1950s when being a communist was unacceptable, but now you can wear a Che Guevara shirt. And just don't bully people. Are blasphemy laws cancel culture? Uh, and I would say no. Blasphemy, blasphemy laws are not cancel culture because you're right. There have always been uh, this kind of canceling uh, that happened in cultures. But the idea is, and what moral standard are we enforcing? Should we allow Satanists to have the same rights as Catholics? Absolutely not. Should we allow uh, people to have to practice any of their beliefs? Well, the Satanist church, which I was going to bring up in the what was concerning us section, is suing the state of Texas because they're restricting abortion laws. And they're saying that's against our religion. So, of course, we believe that canceling certain ideas and certain people is a good thing. That's why we have prisons. You kill someone, you're canceled. You're going to prison. Uh, there are blasphemy laws traditionally in Christian cultures, Christian nations. Those you would get it thrown in prison for blasphemy. Right. We should all instead of turning on each other, we should all cancel sin and and evil. <laughs> That's what we should be doing. Yeah. The problem, though, is as Catholics, too too often we side with our political party versus our faith. We mm-hmm. don't allow our faith to inform our politics. It's quite the opposite. It is our politics that tends to inform our faith, and that is a big problem. Um, you know, the other – and so one side, you know, we'll, we'll try to cancel the other side based on pure politics rather than on faith. Like, I mean, I just looked at the, uh, the article today on the minimum wage. I mean – on one hand, as Catholics, we believe in a fair wage. You know, laborers should be paid a fair wage for their labor. They should be able to make a living at what they do that is right, that is just. And yet at the same time, to create one uh, sort of uh, broad sweeping piece of legislation mandating $15 an hour might also be unjust on many uh, organizations and businesses in America that would be destroyed under the burden of that. It would just become too difficult for them to survive. And what would be what would be left would be only big box corporate America. That would be all that would be uh, left. And how fair would that be? How just would that be? And so uh, complex issues require analysis, but the faith should lead the way, not our politics. And cancel culture is just really running off the hook. You know, I had a great conversation over the weekend. Um, I took my my sons to a uh, a sword demonstration by TFP, and so during uh, while while our sons were out back, you know, beating each other with uh, styrofoam swords, um, we the, the dads were inside, we're just chatting it up, and we we're talking about this, you know, cancel culture in the future and all of the censorship stuff. You know, ultimately, what are you going to get? You might end up with two parallel competing net infrastructures. You might have to have a freedom of speech platform um, and and the regular old Internet. And you might have to straddle both of these these worlds and, you know, in the near future. I don't know that that's going to be a good answer to any of these issues. I really don't think it will be. But I think it's a possibility that we might be seeing that, you know, sort of a patchwork of peer-to-peer networks that, that exists to, to create the opportunity for people to have the ability to speak freely. And yet I still think we'll see censorship on both and as Catholics because there's things we say that people don't like on both sides of the aisle. On YouTube, uh, John Delac says, I wish we could have a discussion of differences of opinion without the foul speech. It diverts from the discussion of ideas into the calling of names and violence, which accomplishes nothing. Amen, Joe. And then Josh says, 
Uh, John, I think the issue is normally that the idea of purely rational discussion is only fruitful when you share some basic moral values. Mm-hmm. The left and the right are living in opposite realities. Hashtag cancel Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, there's a lot of truth to what <laughs> both people are saying here that, John, yeah, absolutely. I wish that things would, uh, we were able to have a reasonable, rational discussion uh, that was charitable. Uh, but Josh is right. A lot of times, like, we don't share any basic moral values. The, the some of the a lot of these people believe that abortion is fine, that murdering babies is okay. They believe that men can become women. Uh, they don't believe in truth at all. There's there's almost no moral or even rational um, common ground to begin a conversation. I, it's really it's really a bizarre situation that we're in today because even at least in the Civil War, um, they like Abraham Lincoln talked about, they still worship the same God. Um, now we don't even not not necessarily even worship the same God, but not only worship a God at all. Some people are atheist. We have Satanist. Uh, we have these people who worship self, as we heard during the, uh, the ad of GK Chesterton earlier. Um, you end up worshiping self. Uh, so I, I, it is a very strange situation that we find ourselves now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, comment, let us know where you're from. Uh, let us know, uh, like what church you go to, that, those kinds of things. We'd love to get to know our audience a lot, uh, through this. And I was so cool to see Beth on the, as our contestant uh, watching us on on YouTube. Thank you, Beth. Yeah, Beth told me off uh, off air when I went to go get her number, she said that she uh, woke up uh, this morning and couldn't get back to sleep, so she decided to tune in, <laughs> and uh, then she heard the prize, and, I mean, and she called in. It's 4 o'clock in the morning oh when we go goodness. on the air in California. Yep. So uh, we've uh, we've been blessed to have some guests from California, mm-hmm. and uh, they and, you know they always say, can we, can we pre-record this at a sort of a more convenient time and our answer is no no we can't you have to get up early <laughs> and they do and it's just amazing we we applaud and appreciate their sacrifice to be a part of the show so beth when you uh, get up early and you were part of the program we just love you we were so very grateful to it and earlier patty said before she left if planet earth was a christmas tree i wouldn't want the ornaments in black and white colorblind is dumb Celebrate the colors God has created. I like your analogy of sharing the Pope with 50,000 fellow Catholics from all over the world. These yeah. are colors created by God. But don't we love diverse? Don't we love, don't, aren't we inspired by the diversity of life on planet Earth? I mean, when, when they dig up a fish from three miles deep that no human is ever going to see, and it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, and it's detailed, I mean... We don't even see that animal all the time, hardly ever, if ever, and yet God still created it. It's still there. It's still glorious. It still points to God's glory and incredibleness. And um, that's part of this beautiful creation that God made, the diversity. Look at, uh, go back to Genesis 2 and Adam in the garden, naming all the wild creatures, the creepy things, the crawlies, the birds that fly, the the swim. He named them all. Why? To discover that among all of this beautiful creation, he had no equal. And that was the problem that needed solving. And so Eve was the solution to the problem. But the diversity is so incredible. And, you know, when you look at uh, when people do these DNA tests, I mean, I think it was Penn State and Berkeley have both done uh, DNA studies. All of, and in every single case, they, they prove that mankind, no matter who you are, where you're from, we all go back to a single set of people. Um, so no matter the color of your skin or what planet you're from or your background, all of us go back to the same set of people. 
And that's just science speaking. That's just not just our faith that we read in a Bible or we're told at Sunday school. This is science also backing this up. And I remember St. Augustine's commentary on the book of Genesis. And he says, if you think that somehow nature, what you see in nature is going to uh, contradict what you see in Scripture, then you have no understanding of Scripture, and you should reread it. That was, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was St. Augustine. Yeah, and of course, the, the word Catholic means universal. We are one yeah. Catholic church. And this used to be shown very, very, very clearly through our liturgy, you know, when it was the same liturgy, you could go anywhere in the world, and that, that same last, you would, you would recognize those Latin prayers, Dominus Voviscum, you would recognize those because... Um, that we are one, it's the same one sacrifice that unites us all in the Eucharist. And of course, now um, we have different liturgies. We have kids' liturgies, Spanish liturgies, every different language, but it's still the same one sacrifice. Yeah, praise be to God. Ah, uh, well, if you're, I see uh, Mr. Thomas from Florida has been hanging out with us today. God love you, Mr. Thomas. Thanks for uh, Mr. Thomas Anderson. Thank you for being on our program, um, hanging out in the chat box on, on YouTube side. Praise be to God. Um, John on YouTube says, uh, I live in Houston and my wife and I belong to St. Bernadette. My wife, Carol, uh, listens to you every morning on her drive to work. I've got to go to work. We love your show. God bless. (laughs) (laughs) Praise be to God. Of course. We love to hear that. Jesus has been hanging out on the Facebook side over on Catholic Drive Time. (laughs) And we had Jesus on last week. Praise God. It was a good conversation. Emily missed it. She I know no, the one day I wasn't, I couldn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw Lori earlier when we first went on the air. That's no, right. You know, Lori lost a son. Oh. Mm. They had a funeral for her son last week. We're praying for you, Lori. Mm. We're very sorry for your loss and continue to keep you in prayer. David O'Grace says he wasn't available to, to rejoin the program because he's got this job thing that, you know, <laughs> the job's getting in the way, David. We're going to have to really do something about that. I, mean, I don't worry about my job. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Uh, he had to go to work early. I want no. our listeners to comment and please let us know what is the best fish sandwich for Lent? Because this Friday I went to Whataburger. McDonald's and I had a filet of fish and it was gross. Whataburger. It was so gross. What a catch. What a catch. Uh, they don't. I, okay. Well, speaking nationally on a national level, for those of us who don't. Well, have they're about to be in Chicago. So. Dang, Chicago buying Are they actually, buying or Waterburger? were they just bought out by Chicago? I have no idea. I don't actually know what's... But uh, CNA actually wrote an entire article on this. They did an in-depth study and came to the conclusion that the Popeye's Cajun Flounder is the winner this year, which I haven't tried yet. It's brand new. Popeye's? I haven't eaten Popeye's uh, fish in... Well, they've never done this before. This years, is new. Many years. Yeah. That food is so oily. Ugh. My stomach hurts just thinking about it. It's delicious. I love it. You know, so every week, every week we uh, we buy. We typically on Fridays we 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 abstain from meat every Friday of the year, um, not just in Lent. But we get like a like a we get fish from the market, but it's like frozen in the bags, and so we get the salmon and, and some white fish like cod or whatever. Uh, the, the salmon is like ugh, it's it's never really that good to be honest with you. One time, I was I gave a, a a parish mission in Alaska year before last, 2019, and one of the parishioners at the end of the mission gave me a package of smoked, fresh caught, smoked salmon from Alaska. It was so good. It was so amazing. You the diff the the difference between fresh caught and even smoked 
salmon versus what you buy in the store is so different. Um, now that I'm so now I'm just been hankering lately to uh, to find uh, a company that will ship the uh, Alaskan uh, salmon to the house. The problem is it's not smoked, so I have to figure that part out for myself. Um, but it's not cheap. That's the problem. So far, I found one service, and it was like big, huge dollars. It was like Trump money. So Lori on Facebook says, if we don't have opposing thoughts, we live in an echo chamber. Also, Popeye's uh, shrimp sandwich. Uh, and I said, uh, I told her that uh, this is why I always argue with Joe, because uh, we can't, can't let Joe be in an echo chamber. And I have to say that Popeye's is delicious, and I love greasy I food. I love Popeye's. <laughs> yeah, greasy food. And I will continue eating nasty, greasy food. Nasty, greasy food. Uh, Kathy on YouTube says, good morning, all. Glad you're back full force. I pray for you every day. Oh. May the Lord our God show you his approval uh his uh, approval and approval and make your efforts successful. Yes, make your efforts successful. Psalm 90 verse 17. Josh says, "Have y'all tried the Popeye's flounder sandwich which was before right before Emily said it." So I thought that was funny. <laughs> and he said, "Review bra approves of the Popeye sandwich." Review bra. <laughs> he so said, "I'm on top of the culture." There's a little straw poll going here of uh, Popeye's is leading the way. Yeah, apparently. it looks like it. Teresa Yikes. on YouTube says, "Sea Island Mariner sandwich. Yum." Ooh, wow. There you go. That sounds that sounds you know legit. What, you know what else is like when if you go to a Mexican restaurant in Texas, get the fish tacos. Ugh, they're very good. They're Ugh. incredibly good. Any any Mexican restaurant in Texas? Just I have yet to find a bad one. So <laughs> I, uh, I could I could point out a few. No, no. Susan on Facebook well, on the Catholic Drive picky. Times. Yeah, I'm very picky. Yeah, Susan so on the Catholic Drive Popeyes Times says for crying out loud. Buffalo has fish fries all over the area. I truly am sorry, Ooh. Emily. Had to do the McDonald's uh, excuse, <laughs> <laughs> excuse for fish. It was the only thing open in Texas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had to do with the <laughs> McDonald's excuse. I regretted for fish. it immediately. <laughs> yeah, praise um, God. I got kills me. a message from Salvador Vasquez who said he offered mass this Sunday for our ministry, and he's very proud of our work. Keep it up. We're doing a great job. Praise. Thank you, God. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Jesus says, love greasy food. Helps my digestive system. Natural <laughs> laxative. <laughs> Excess information there, Brother Robles. Excess information. Oh, my heavens. O- Officer Robles for the win. <laughs> That's, that is honestly the comment of the, of the oh, show. <laughs> oh, yikes. yikes. Uh, Kathy on YouTube says, I'm from Danvers, um, Massachusetts, listening hey. to iCatholic Radio last three years. And, and all my negative thoughts about Catholics. And uh, uh, Kathy, do you want to finish that, that thought? <laughs> all, your, all your negative <laughs> not, thoughts not about sure God. Your, your, <laughs> what about them? <laughs> I uh been to Danvers on a number of occasions having lived up there praise God. I uh yeah, great place. My wife's from Peabody North Shore. And uh Josh says on YouTube, for those in Houston, Joy Love Burger JLB Eatery has really good fish and chips. There mm-hmm. you go. I got to try it now. Uh my grandma said crab cakes at Gasares. That's the place next to my grandma's house. Hey. Uh Lori says TMI officer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. TMI is right. That's awesome. <laughs> crab cakes sound yummy. Thank you, Grandma. Ooh, crab cakes. We need samples. We're gonna make Adrian bring in samples next time. Oh, we, we get here way too early. They're not open that early. Well, yeah, I'll like bring them in. I'll bring in leftovers, I guess. Get, yeah, get leftovers and then bring them in. This way we can uh, sample them on the show. That'd be great. The crab cakes would be awesome. Yeah, people would love to see us chomp on food on air. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially the after show. Especially you know, the radio audience. Friday. I mean, how, 
How penitential? How penitential could crab cakes actually be? That's the question. I, mean, uh, I don't know. Probably yummy. more penitential than my uh, my smoked salmon with uh, lobster mm. on the side. See, that's the thing. Because every t- every year when Lent comes around, when I was living at home, my mom, you know, would go all out, make chiles rellenos, like the whole <laughs> thing. And it's like, is this really, this is like the best meal we've had all week. How is this penance? <laughs> yes, exactly. How my For my wife, you know, my wife is Portuguese and she loves shellfish and all mm. seafoods. And uh, what she will do to a shellfish is really disturbing to me. And uh, so how 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 penitential she should be forced to eat steak. I think on Fridays as penance for her. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the opposite between us. Although she likes red meat too. Yeah. Friday Breakfast Club, according to Lori, that'd be fun. Ooh, fun. <clears throat> okay, so oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to confess that I've never eaten crawfish, even though what I've lived in Texas really? now for five years. It's, yeah, it's, oh all it is is a tiny lobster. It's so good. It's all it's it so is. good, it's which is why it's great. Because it's a tiny lobster, you get the the greatness of a lobster, uh, but for like a couple bucks. <clears throat> what I want to know was who the first person that saw that thing crawl out of the mud and, and went, they were like, "I got to eat like, that. Mm, that looks that, okay, tasty." That's what I say about <laughs> potatoes. It looks it's, like the, a the potato. The potato plant <laughs> is a poisonous plant, and someone yeah. said, "Let me grab the root of that and take a bite." Or the chicken, the first chicken that laid the egg, and the guy was like. Mmm. <laughs> you see that right there? Oh, oh I, I, thought, <laughs> I know what I, I thought of that. <laughs> I, I would think that. I, I'd see a chicken be like, wow, that looks delicious. Um, Kathy on YouTube says her prayers were answered, and I'm joining the church Easter vigil at St. <gasps> Patrick, uh, Parish, Stoneham, Massachusetts. My 72nd oh. birthday is Easter. Hey. It took 72 years Praise to God. come full circle in my faith journey. Wow. So that was so that was the finishing of that sentence. And that was great. Welcome home. Oh, praise praise God. be to God. Absolutely. Happy birthday. Wow, that's Absolutely. pretty cool. That's that amazing. That makes me so happy. Three years of negative thoughts about Catholics and then <laughs> coming home on cat- on uh, Easter Vigil that's this amazing. year. Praise be to God. Yeah, praise God. Right. Welcome home. Wow. That's awesome. Of course, uh, Valerie is on the program on the Facebook site. She says, oh, I like Long John Silver's. But I know nobody else does. I only eat it <laughs> during Lent. That, too, would be considered penitential, Valerie, Long John Silver. It's like Popeyes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just greasy, 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 greasy food. Uh, <laughs> Jesus says, Yum, chiles rellenos, rajas con queso. Yes. <laughs> I, I like queso. Excellent. Queso is awesome. Praise be to God. Queso with just about anything works, right? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, Josh on YouTube says, praise God, Kathy. Uh, he said, fish cheating is a rich part of Catholic culture in the Middle Ages. Puffins, beavers, and literally any animal that lived in or near the water would often be considered fish. Yeah, that's actually true. And in fact, they would have like nutrias, the, the, uh, like the rat that lives in the water. It's the largest rat on planet Earth. Yeah. And it was considered a sea creature, even though it's not technically a sea creature because it lived in the water. They allowed people to eat it. Yeah. It's a mammal. Looks Uh, like it's it's, a lot of things. It's like the size of a dog. It's a massive animal, and they have a dispensation from the Vatican, and they're allowed to eat that on Fridays in Lent. And Louisiana's bishop gave permission that you could eat gator uh, during Lent as well. Now, so. I've had the best po' boy I have ever had at uh, at uh, Landry's on the Bayou, I think is where I got it, over there, just to, just at the foot of the bridge that goes to Baton Rouge. And, uh, and uh, boy, that was the best po' boy, and it was alligator tail. Woo, I love good alligator. Wow. Gator is probably one you of know, my favorite. Now, mm. I technically think you could have boudin in Lent on Fridays, because who knows what's inside of the boudin? 
Like, does anybody really know? We, what we goes to joke inside of that, that we could uh, eat uh, Taco Bell during uh, during Lent because it's not real meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But, oh, did no, you that's a myth though. My, my that actually is real beef. Did you see Bill Gates wanting everybody to trans uh, transition eating to bugs. eating fake b- fake uh, meat? And he now owns the most farmland in America. That's scary. That is concerning. How, we, how, how many people would love to eat a capybara? No, that's the that's not the same Barra. thing. My dad no. uh, tried. He had lizard stew in Mexico, and he always talks about how good it was. You know, another thing they eat in Mexico that I found very weird. I've never been a to Mexico. Uh, but many, many hornets things. and hornet nests. I've never heard of that. I, d- I do know about crickets. I've never heard of hornets. Yeah, they like there are people who keep a hornet nest inside their home just for this very reason. Wow. <laughs> In order to harvest the hornets. <laughs> My What's friend that? Josh said, we all know beef is in Budan. Don't be playing. Don't be playing. <laughs> Come on, work with me, Josh. Work with me, man. I'm trying to get the dispensation from the Vatican. Budan on Friday. Crackling and Budan on Friday. Crackling and Budan on Friday. <laughs> uh, Turtle yeah. soup is good, apparently. I tell you what, oh. uh, you know, it's worth the pilgrimage to Best Stop in Louisiana if you're, if you're on the route I-10. To boudin stop, balls. Stop to get the uh, boudin balls uh, that have the uh, the pepper jack cheese in the center of it. Woo! That's Road trip to the stuff. Institute of Christ the King in Louisiana. Let's <laughs> that's, go. That's right. With a stop. With a I'm stop. down. We'll stop at Bucky's and we'll stop there. Yes. The two necessary stops. How did we get on food today? I, I don't oh, remember. Oh, I brought it. I don't know. We were talking about racism the- and then we ended up <laughs> on food. <laughs> All right. We're going off air in about a minute and a half. Well, God love you all. Thank you for hanging out with us. Make sure you get on our email list. Uh, hopefully, we'll get started this week. We'll, we do plan to get started this week. We're going to be. I'm going to send you a talk that I gave on typology that uh, I think you'll get a lot of benefit out of. And then um, we have the Father Casey talk you get right away when you sign up, of course. And then we're going to start recording commentary on the Sunday Gospels for the Holy Season of Lent. And we'll deliver those videos to you via the email list. I also started a uh, series on on uh, the divine uh, providence, on uh, trustful surrender to divine providence by Saint Columbert, with my wife, and I may be recording uh, sort of commentary on that as well and sending it to you. It's kind of a gut check for most Catholics. Can you trust God for everything, or do you still just trust Him for some things? That's the book. That's the heart of the book, is letting go of complete control and giving it all over to God, no matter what happens to you, accepting everything as though it came from the hand of God. That's that book, so we may talk about that as well. All that will come to you through the email list. But tomorrow, Mr. Kanu, the leader of the Biafra movement in Nigeria, should be our guest. We're very excited and uh, pray that that works out. Uh, So we're going to have a great week of shows. Hopefully you'll be a part of it. Please do share, like, subscribe, and tell the world about Catholic Dread Time. We'd be grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. I'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us.